Hi, this is Dr. Darren Cohen. Welcome to the Solid Rock Performance Podcast, where we dive deep into issues of mental performance, sports psychology, strength sports, and uh, really anything that can impact your performance outside of your physical skills and your physical attributes. I want to thank you very much for joining me. I appreciate you as a listener and as a follower. And uh, here we go. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Darren here. Before we get into today's show, I want to let you know about something that's very important to me, which is my nutrition. At 51 years old and a master's competitor in amateur strongman competitions, I try and get the best nutrition I can. But sometimes it doesn't always reach that high optimal level. To make sure I'm getting good nutrition, I turn to FNX supplements. And I use their super greens and their super reds. They're my favorite products. They also have a pretty good pre-workout and a pretty solid protein. So if you really want to boost your game, give FNX supplements a try. You can use the link in the show notes. All right, on to the show. All right. Hey, welcome everybody to Solid Rock Performance. We have a very special uh, guest this week. I'm very excited to chat with her. This is going to be more of just kind of a chat or a discussion, I think, than an interview. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about issues of mental health and mental well-being in athletes and uh, how that affects performance. And so my guest is a woman I met at a uh, powerlifting competition. Uh, her name is Maggie Kadralik. Did I get that right? Yep. <laughs> All right. Perfect. And uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Maggie, and uh, we'll, we'll start chatting. Well, hi. Thank you for having me on. First off, I'm so excited to talk about this topic. Um, I am currently living in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I'm going to school and getting my master's in sports administration and leadership. Um, but previously in my undergrad, I played softball um, here in Sioux Falls at Augustana University um, for five years. I had a hip surgery in there, so I did a red shirt, whole red shirt thing. And then after I graduated from my undergrad in 2019, I kind of just wandered around, you know, worked out how I like to, and then COVID hit and my job was really crazy. I worked at inpatient mental health and once COVID hit and we got hit by a tornado too while I was working. So it was, that was right before COVID. And then we came back to our hospital and then COVID hit. So it was a whole chaos. And so I was really looking for something to be competitive in again. I was really missing that. And that's when I found Strongman. And now I've been competing in Strongman for a year. So like a year to the day we met was like well, my one year which wow. is really cool yeah that comp was like my one year anniversary kind of um but I currently am the strength and conditioning graduate assistant here at Augie and I get to work with almost all of our athletes but specifically I work with men's and women's swimming baseball wrestling um and tennis currently okay. men's and women's tennis so those who are I directly help with and like program for but I get to like oversee, you know, any app, any of the teams and fill in when I can. And um, with my current master's that I'm working on, we get to do a project or a research paper. And I am researching kind of the impact on mental health awareness on our campus, because we don't have anything specifically for athletes. Um, we have a partnership with a, uh, with Sioux Falls Psych for like the whole athlete or the whole student app student population of the of campus, not just the athletes. And so kind of just looking and seeing what it's like to like talk about mental health a little bit more, you know, just with our athletes. Uh, we created a group just for athletes to come to. That's kind of like a safe space for them, we quote, we say. And it's led by me and our mental health um, coordinator on campus. And her position is actually brand new too. So kind of seeing what the impact of her position is and seeing you know, is it helpful? Does it better? Like, is it helping or translating to the athletes or do they still feel like there's a disconnect between the academic world and the athletic world? And 
Okay. Um, so kind of just like overseeing all of that. And so that's what I'm focusing on with my paper. And then after <laughs> I would love to go and get my doctorate in sports psych, but it's very competitive. So I'll probably have to work in some research lab for a while after, but I'm not hundred percent sure what my plans are, but still working with athletes and mental health. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. That was a lot. <laughs> no, that's wonderful. It's a, uh, you have a, a good wide array of experiences that you can mm -hmm. bring to the discussion, um, especially the fact that you just have so much access to the athletes and working with them regularly and kind of, I'm sure uh, from listening to you, it sounds like working with them probably in the back of your brain somewhere, you're always kind of have mental health as, as, as kind of percolating and being more aware of mental health issues as you're working with the athletes. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to hear that uh, a smaller university like that is trying to build some things, put some things in place. Mm -hmm. uh, the university I was just recently at, North Central University in Minneapolis, just started an athlete group called Changing the Game. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, all focused on building athlete mental wellness and sort of, again, sort of a safe space mm -hmm. uh, for athletes to go and uh, be able to talk about what's going on and process through life, I guess. Mm -hmm. So as a trainer, um, do you have any stories? Could you sh share maybe a story about an athlete? who was strongly impacted by mental health issues? Oof. I mean, I haven't been directly impacted, I would say. I mean, I've heard stories, for instances, of certain athletes that have struggled and kind of like what coaches have done to help them. Sure. Their impact as far as that. Um, like I know certain athletes that have had to walk away from their sport Sure. certain athletes that took maybe a semester off and then were able to come back and um, like rolling into different roles, you know, that's best suited for them and their mental health in that time. Um, why do you, why do you think an athlete from, from those stories and just from knowing the athletes, why do you think they, what is it about those mental health things that results in them having to take a step back, take a semester off, walk away from the sport? Um, I think it all depends on the athlete because sometimes the sport is the, like, not the answer, but like they're safe haven, mm -hmm. you know, and then some athletes aren't seeing the sport as a safe haven. It's an added stressor mm -hmm. or there are so many underlying things that they're not able to perform at a certain level or it's unsafe for them to perform because they're not, you know, they're not in the right place when they're performing or competing or practicing. Oh, okay. And I don't think like, there's a big perception out there for coaches that have this idea that or athletes fear that if they go to their coaches, their coach is going to cut them. Okay. And I'm not saying there's not coaches out there that would, because there probably are, but I think the best approach is kind of like, what does the athlete feel is best for them in kind of supporting whatever they feel because they're the ones in that situation. And so some of them, they want to stay, you know, involved but maybe not competing so whether they step into like a coaching role or you know like whatever kind of manager role they could possibly have or if they just need to take a break and you know kind of still be involved with team things but having to like spend a little bit more time maybe going to therapy you know or having different groups going to church you know like what is helping them with their mental health in that situation and then kind of like building that foundation back up to get back into performing I think it's important that we point out to our audience, uh, the, those of you that are listening, that this is not like a small, uh, just happens to a few athletes here and there. I just read a report from the Academy of Sports Sciences that 35% um, uh, of athletes, uh, of female athletes, 25% of male athletes, uh, struggle with diagnosable uh, anxiety. Mm. And that um, according to the NCAA, about a quarter of athletes 
struggle with diagnosable depression. Um, Does that ring true for what you've seen from the, the kids you're working with? Definitely. Definitely. Especially the anxiety piece. We like Augustana academically is incredibly competitive. Like just like we have pre-med people on teams. We have nursing majors. Like we allow all of our student athletes to go for any major, which at a lot of institution that doesn't happen. So a lot of our athletes are also extremely competitive and high achievers in the classroom. And that just like adds on. And if like the anxiety you have for school rolls over to the anxiety you have for sports and being able to kind of cope with it. And if they're able to, because a lot of the times they don't have time or think they don't have enough time to like fully, you know, be present in places and they're constantly thinking about the next thing. Like after practice, I'm going to this study session. And then after this study session, I'm doing extra reps or, you know, like they aren't like mental health is something you need to schedule in almost, especially in the athletic world. And that's a great point. Yeah. And see it as like, this is a practice that I'm doing, or this is like something that is beneficial for my school and my athletes or athletics, you know, like, this isn't like me taking time out of it. That's neglecting. Like this is going to help benefit you. And a lot of times it's hard for athletes to see it in that light. Right. It's similar to doing extra reps or staying afterwards Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes or getting in an extra study session. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the same. It's the same type of investment and what people seem to, I think what people realize when they, um, start a practice like when they start scheduling in wellness is that they actually perform better in the other areas right right um what are some of the ways you see mental health uh impacting actual performance i think anxiety and I think the like depression, I don't know if it necessarily impacts directly to like performance in the moment. Mm-hmm. I think that's very heavily after the fact. Um, but I think definitely anxiety is a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like how you, like if you watch athletes, you know, in their approaches and like little things like that. I mean, like I'm so observant of those things. So I like, it's probably my eye for it almost a little bit, or even in like the weight room, like, and we're maxing out, like seeing how their whole demeanor can completely change when they know they're going for a, a new max, you know? And like, is it the same as like, they normally have like the confidence they're normally wearing versus not like, do they have that armor on them or is it like stripped away? And I often think and find that like when it's stripped away, it's cause they're getting like eaten up by like the anxious little, I don't know, like mindsets and things that are coming into their head and like their heart's racing. So they think it's anxiety versus, you know, adrenaline and like, that difference too. I like that anxiety eats away at the armor of confidence. Yeah. That's a great visual. (laughs) Thank you. That's how I think of it, you know, and like, that's how I kind of combat it at the same time. Like, I think like I have that shield, you know, like I like call myself Marge when I'm in the gym, because that helps me like put my armor on and like, I don't let, I don't want anxiety to eat it. And like, I can tell when it like gets through, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you share that with the other athletes? Yeah, I do. Like we were talking in one of our groups one night, cause we were talking about like, how do you be competitive against your teammates is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So like swimming, for instance, like they're constantly competing against each other, but they're also teammates at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I like use the example of Beyonce <laughs> or Nicki Minaj. They created stage names. So like Beyonce was Sasha Fierce when she first started out mm-hmm. and like, that was her like armor that she wore when she was on stage. And I was like, it's essentially the same thing when you're swimming, you know, like when you're competing, you put on a different presence and that's kind of like your mojo, like your confidence, like nothing can touch you. And then after you can take it off and be a human, you know, and be vulnerable again. Cause sometimes you don't want to lose that edge either. And eventually if you get to a point where you're, you feel like you can embody that just naturally, you kind of like kill your persona, like Beyonce killed Sasha Fierce. <laughs> did not know that that's very fascinating about managing anxiety on stage yeah okay yeah because I was thinking about it one day because I I watched uh I can't remember what 
what video of it by interview it was her a long time ago and she was talking about it and then I knew Nicki Minaj did that too in some of her songs because she was like Roman in some of her songs and I was like heck, what is she saying and then it was kind of the same concept I was like that's really interesting you know Miley Cyrus essentially kind of did that with Hannah Montana yeah it was forced onto her but you know her whole confidence on stage came from being Hannah Montana and then she became Miley you know yeah yeah Okay. Also, grew up, grew up in that world, so that's like <laughs> how I envision things. I think that's really um, a positive way to manage uh, the impact of anxiety and depression, though, when you need to perform. I've worked with actually a couple of guys now in Strongman where we talked about um, what is your competitive identity basically who are you when you compete and it doesn't have to be the person that um the person that is uh going to their full-time job or the person mm -hmm. who's doing um athletic like uh one guy i talked to he's a he's a he's a coach he's a a, a trainer mm -hmm. Um, but when he competes, he takes on a persona of, uh, he described it to me as the Joker. Ooh. He's the, and, and how he described that was he becomes the person who's going to make things happen, whether you like them or not. Mm, cool. And so that, so then that's him in competition. The Joker doesn't let anyone stand in his way. And that's how he approaches competition then mm -hmm. plus the joker has fun while he's doing it mm -hmm. and that is his persona he likes to have a lot of fun when he's competing so um helping people build competition personas or competition identities mm -hmm. um, really can have a very positive impact on things like anxiety depression motivation even discipline so that's an awesome way to think about it. And then, you, of course, you put it in relevant cultural terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it also, because in the in the college athletic world, one of the hardest things is transition out of sport and transi transition out of being an athlete, because a lot of the times people aren't going pro or, you know, going into strength sports. Like, it's kind of rare. I would think almost like maybe the percent's a little higher. I don't know what the number is of like athletes that go into strength sports for a long period of time. Like out of the people I graduated with, I think I'm one of the only athletes that's still competing in something, you know, like sure. very small. And so then they get stripped of that identity and they become, you know, their profession and they don't have that like athletic side of them anymore. And they don't know how to cope with that. And I think that if I was playing and I had like a persona, it would have been easier for me to kind of like let go of her, mm. you know, when I was done and like take the bits that I wanted to keep of being an athlete versus like having that like grief process, you know, like an unknowing grief process. Yeah. Uh, you bring up something that I just kind of noted that I think would be important in helping athletes manage their mental health and their mental well being is being upfront and talking about um, life after athletics, even like as they come in as a freshman, mm -hmm. you know, talking about and being open about, there's a high, per, there's a high probability that you're probably not going to do anything more than recreational sports after you get out of college. Mm -hmm. um, and and then using that sort of as part of an intervention, like athletics is really competitive and athletics is really important right now. Mm -hmm. And that's part of your identity right now, but it's okay to let go of some of that once in a while as you're being impacted by stress and things that result in anxiety and depression because at some point you're going to have to let go of a lot of it. Yeah. And so that's a really, um, do you have any thoughts on like how often that's discussed openly 
with athletes? Like, not very much. Huh? <laughs> you know, like as an athlete, the only time I would have ever talked about like, in my undergrad was by people that already graduated. Sure. And like, they would always just say like, don't stop. And that would be like, that would be it. You know, like we, we didn't have mental health. Like we had our partnership through Sioux Falls Psych when I was in school, but we didn't have any other like transition, anything. So that's another reason why when I came back, I was like, we need something <laughs> because like, I know I'm not the only person that's gone through this and I'm here. I might as well, you know, do what I can, but it's not talked about, you know, and like, and I don't know if it's necessarily like on our coaches either to talk about that. Cause I think there's a lot of, our coaches wear a lot of hats and it's hard to add another hat to them. And I don't know if they're going to be the best effective person to talk about it because like, it's not their job you know like as but is kind of harsh and crude that sounds but like once you leave they have another class you know and it's not saying that they don't care about you they love you they like spent all these years investing time into you but like they have to focus on their next class and you know like people that are staying and that's not a bad thing but we just don't have the resources to help transition and talk about it you know they can advocate for it they can like ask you what you're doing and try to help but they're also not thinking about what are you doing after because they're not after anything like they're not retiring, right? you know, like they're, it's in a very different spectrum and that's, that's okay. It's just, as long as there's another facet that can help the athletes, you know, talk about it, think about it, or at least talk about it enough that they think of it. And then maybe they don't necessarily process it right away, but they know come, like a year later, they can talk to whoever about that transition. That's a super good point. Yeah, we don't want to dump everything on the coaches. Um, coaches are there for a particular job, and they do wear so too ma- too many hats sometimes. Yeah, yeah. small schools. Like we have a tiny school, we're and we're very good. <laughs> like, and so these coaches are coaching for like most of our sports go into postseason, like very far into postseason. So like a lot of these coaches are coaching for majority of the year and then they have to recruit and then they have to, you know, do all these other things. And like, I'm very grateful for our coaches, but I don't necessarily, and right now they're kind of all we have <laughs> as sad as it is. And they're trying their best and we're trying our best too, but hopefully down in my, when my kids go to school, I hope there's more, you know, help like staff help, especially in the mental health world. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good that we're finally getting to the point where we're realizing that um, sports psychology and mental performance isn't just about like um, mental toughness and resilience and visualization. That um, you have to have both sides of the co- both sides of that. You have to have like all of the things that you work on as a performance coach, mm-hmm. but also all the things that are necessary for men- just general mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you can throw one out. I don't think it's an either or. I think it's really important that um, you build. I mean, it's all psychology. Mm-hmm. One's a little more clinical. The other one's a little more skill and mm-hmm. identity sort of personality stuff. And um, it's all important mm-hmm. for allowing student athletes and athletes um, to sort of perform at their best, to get the best yeah. out of the experience. Right. Uh, what are some of the ways you see uh, your department um, helping? athletes who have uh sort of to build mental wellness so as a strength coach in a strength department we're like a special addition for the athletes like we don't control their scholarship we don't control playing time we don't control anything right we're just here to literally make them stronger and so athletes kind of they a wall comes down a little bit to us i think and we're definitely a middle ground and i think a lot of athletes open up to our staff a lot more. Um, there's four of us on staff. And I think that we've all had the experience of like athletes coming to us versus their coaches. Cause they're scared, you know, to talk to their coaches. And that's not a bad thing. Like that's another reason why we're here. We're in addition to staff, you know, like 
we're here to help aid the process or also get them resources that they need and you know maybe be a middle ground with the playing coach you know things like that or just being a vent to them you know like being someone they can like vent to and just kind of absorb and let it go because sometimes they can't do that with their coaches and that's that's okay like that's another reason why we're here but I think we definitely hone in obviously on physical health um we do talk a lot about nutrition we don't have a nutritious nutritionist on staff so us four kind of like bridge that gap a little um I know we all with this whole uh like this whole year just trying to advocate a little bit more for mental health we've been a little bit more focal to our teams um, especially our conference lost an athlete to suicide and in the fall and then uh, commit to uh, someone in our conference. They also passed because of suicide. So I think we've all been a little bit more vocal, um, which is good because the athletes do see us in a different light. And I think we also take advantage of that. Um, on the, like, when we're in staff meetings, it's the same thing. We're very much in middle ground between athletes. So like when we were talking about our mental health training and even like DEI stuff, we're very much a mental or a middle ground. Um, my boss is actually very good at, <laughs> he's so good at being like just the middleman on it all and explaining everything. And I think it's really cool that we're in that position. Like, I like that position a lot. I like not having to determine their playing time, <laughs> you know, or anything. Like I love being able to just like motivate them and help them and kind of be someone for them that they can at least come to on staff and help, you know, negate things. Do you see this as a trend among um, athletic departments that you're aware aware of at least, you know? I think if, so. Okay. I don't know a ton of other trainers, but I know like my coworkers know a ton of other trainers just through, you know, years of working in the field. And I think they also have ex the same experience. Um, like guys that have been at other schools. Um, one of our trainers worked at the Olympic Training Center, you know, and they've always kind of been seen as like somebody that they can go to, athletes can go to, that's a little bit more of an open door. And you're kind of in a vulnerable situation with them, you know, like training somebody and pushing them to their limits in something that it's not their sport. Like this is like completely new to a lot of athletes at some, time, some point. So you're like, you're in a very vulnerable position to be helping them in. So it kind of helps, you know, that we build that trust pretty easy and not easy, but it's a natural ground to build trust. Sounds a lot like therapy. Yeah, honestly, maybe that's why I like it so much. <laughs> Do you see the focus um, on mental health becoming more prominent sort of across the small schools, across the conference, across different yeah. conferences? Um, you know what SAC is? S-A-A-C, right? Yep. Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Mm -hmm. They're definitely taking a huge, like, dive into mental health and doing a lot. Like, our whole conference has a SAC conference, and they mm -hmm. all worked on, like, the Green Bandana Project and things like that. What's um, the Green Bandana Project? Uh, I'm not a professional. So, but it's a, something that was initiated by, I cannot remember what school, but it was out of suicide and some they lost somebody i believe and so the green bandana symbolizes like you're a safe outlet like someone that you can talk to so like if students wear the green bandana on their backpack or something like they're essentially like an ally that you can go and talk to for okay days. okay we haven't been like approved yet so you have to go through like the green bandana project online mm -hmm. to get like, approved for it um i don't believe we got approved yet this year but we're working on it just because like we all need to know what the green banana means and be prepared to uh -huh. or what that can entail um but SAC also was a huge initiative this year for like the just awareness for mental health you know on campus um yeah they've been doing a lot and I think that's definitely gonna be a trend that keeps moving forward because a lot of athletes like have came up to me and other coaches just saying like how thankful they are that we are talking about this and they you know like bring it into the light and be like, yeah, this does, you know, this is a real thing. It's not a bad thing either. <laughs> like it just, it's, it's a part of being a human. <laughs> do you think coaches in the past and even some now have been scared that if you, uh, if you start addressing mental health and you start talking about mental wellness and you have your athletes go into groups that it'll make them soft? 
Mm-hmm. Like you got to keep those, keep those athletes tough. They need to just grind through that depression and mm-hmm. anxiety just makes you stronger. Yeah. Those kinds of things. Have you seen that? Or do you think oh, that's yeah. the way it was? Yeah. Well, a lot of them, like a lot of older coaches, they never, they were never in this kind of era, you know, younger right. coaches have a little better idea about it just because they grew up in a different world. But yeah. when they were playing their sport, you know, like people were throwing chairs and, you know, and that was seen as acceptable, yeah. you know, like, and it's just what learn educating is a big thing. Like educating coaches is just a huge thing. And what like everything means, because it's the same kind of idea that athletes could still have too. that. If I have talk about my mental health, I have a problem and I'm not capable is like the fear. That's a good point. You know, and I think it's just a huge educating piece of being like, no, like, your mental health is here no matter if you recognize it or not and it's not a bad thing if you do because it's helping you you know like because we don't mental health is always like a you deal with it when it's too late or when something bad's already happened it's not something you just seen it as being proactive as being positive being proactive means you're being negative is like how it's perceived right yeah yeah that's a good so, point like we do we do hip mobility so we don't get injured in our squats and that seems as a positive or we do, you know, our dynamic warm up before practice and that's seen as a positive, but talking about your mental health and like a little struggle you might have is a seen as a negative before you're, you know, at a very dark place and not able to play your sport. Right. We don't, we don't, uh, we, we don't go out and get enough sunlight. uh as a as a buffer against developing depression Mm -hmm. that's seen as a negative or we we don't go and talk to a psychiatrist about medicines as a way to improve our athletic performance because we won't feel depressed we'll have more energy and we'll be more motivated Mm -hmm. um because that's seen as a negative yet it's 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 a similar way of thinking you know i take pre-workout so that i have a better physical performance well then why aren't you willing to try you know um i don't know um whatever medicine Mm -hmm. to uh improve mental performance because that's essentially what a psychiatric medicine is doing Mm -hmm. is when it works it helps improve mental performance Mm -hmm. you it's making a bridge or giving you a, a mental breath of fresh air so that you can, now you can push forward. Right. It's, it's not something I'm, I'm getting really tired of mental health medicine being stigmatized as taking drugs, <laughs> you know, yeah. or making you weak. Yeah. Um, Wow, I guess I didn't realize how strongly I felt about that. <laughs> very valid, very valid though. It's not, you know, and it's it is like all a part of the stigma that is we're still trying to debunk. And I think meds are a huge, huge spot of it. And I also find it very funny that people are very anti-meds, but they're on birth control. Sure. Big, big thing that it's just a big debacle for me. You know, if you're on hormonal birth control, but you're also like anti something for your ADHD it's just very like yeah yeah let's talk about this a little bit more you know like and everybody has their own body and like their autonomy over it but there's never a bad thing on educating yourself because sometimes you can learn a lot and then still make the same decision you know yeah but I also don't want people to have the wrong education or wrong input on something and make a decision off of that you know well I think some athletes there might be a belief out there that if I take a mental health med, that's actually going to slow me down. That's going to make me less of an athlete. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure where that comes from. I mean, I, I've been taking mental health medicines for 25 years and yeah. I'm doing strong, man. Yeah. It hasn't slowed me down much. Yeah. Um, so I think there's also this, belief that somehow mental health medicines unless they're specifically sedating um are going to slow you down somehow like i'm not going to be able to think straight when i'm on the field well no that's part of the whole point is they will refresh in your thinking Mm -hmm. 
they will move you, they will help you move away from uh, clouded thinking because you're depressed. Depression clouds your thinking. It sucks yeah. the energy out of your brain. Yeah. If you take a mental health medicine and it works because they don't work all the time, but right. if it's right for you and it works, you're all of a sudden going to be thinking clearer, making better decisions on the field. Yeah. So, oh, I got a rant to go on that one. <laughs> no, I think it's good though, because I, people don't, they don't have a very clear idea of how, because people think they're very invasive. They think that mental health meds are extremely invasive onto your body and like completely change, you know, everything about you, you know? And I don't think people necessarily have the idea, like the education of a, what they do in your brain yeah. and how they yeah. work. You know, they think of like the old like fifties like tranquilizer situation, right? Or getting like, you know, just Ativan, you know, because that's just a very commonly used drug right. on TV. So they think that I'm just gonna be completely zonked, you know, right. like they don't have the education on the different types that are out there, the uses when you use them, you know, like a schedule versus you know all the right. different options that are out there. Yeah, it actually it is sort of like taking you know s supplements yeah physically it's a now that i think about it you don't take a supplement like you're not going to take uh nitric acid or nitric oxide mm -hmm. or your pre-workout or your creatine creatine there's a good one you're not going to take your creatine and then all of a sudden expect the next day to be perfectly better you're right right yeah you still have to put in the work mm -hmm. and mental health medicines are very very similar yeah. in that creatine potentiates or optimizes muscle growth mm -hmm. along with a whole bunch of other things right immune system cognitive functioning mm -hmm. well mental health medicines are exactly the same they're going yeah. to they're going to address chemistry that is not optimized yeah and they're going to basically put you in a state where now you can do the work yeah right but you still have to do the work yeah i'm a, yes exactly like i always i love like god bless family doctors but people who like to just like write off of the prescription off of one time seeing a patient you know and giving them an anxiety med off the bat and like maybe we should also talk to a therapist and someone that you know has a little bit more experience with mental health and mental health drugs too because yeah. i'm also a big coupler like i was like if you're gonna do drugs then we need to do therapy too you know like i would love for us to have both <laughs> because a lot of times if you're relying on a substance just like if you're relying on creatine to get you through a workout but you're not getting stronger it's probably because you're not you know maximizing the workload while you're on your creatine maybe you it's need a coach yeah too <laughs> yeah well that's i mean that's a that takes the analogy if you're, yeah, I like if you're ta that. taking mental health medicines, then maybe you should have a coach, which would be like a therapist. Yeah. If you're taking creatine and you're not, and you're not getting the work that's making, that's the treat creatine is supposed to make better. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need a coach right. to help you maximize that creatine. Right. That's a really good way to put it. I like that a lot, especially in the athlete world. <laughs> Well, I think athletes, there's, there's a number of different populations that really struggle with things like mental health medicines, mental wellness. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, many athletes, I think, are sort of of this thought that I'm an athlete, I'm, I'm already mentally well, mm -hmm. if I couldn't do this, then I wouldn't be mentally well, I can't be depressed, because I go to my games and perform, right. Yeah. But the question then is, could you be performing better? Mm -hmm. And how's your life outside of the game? Yeah. How often are you making it to practice? Yeah. Like what's the wellness aspect of it? You know, yeah, right. what is life going to be like? like? If this ended tomorrow, what would you look like? Right. You know, right. I always keep people with that mindset because I, I was so much, I was really like that when I was playing and then I got hurt and I had to have a hip surgery and I, didn't play for a year so my whole athlete identity was stripped I couldn't walk like you know like everything I, I was stripped from it and so that having to learn what that was like while I'm going through it was absolutely horrible and I wish I would have maybe thought before to you know take advantage of all the little things that I was doing yeah what 
let's flip this on its head just a little bit. What are ways you see athletes address mental health struggles that are not healthy? Overtraining. Overtraining. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, the obvious ones come to mind, like drugs and alcohol definitely comes to my mind, but like overtraining is seen as such a positive when like, we're already overtrained, like naturally, if I was just to go and be a softball player again, my normal day would be to be active for at least five hours a day, plus school, plus homework. Okay. And that's without taking extra reps. And I took reps almost every day, you know, whenever I could maybe squeeze it and I'll go early like 15 minutes. So in 15 minutes, you can hit three buckets of balls and that's almost 150 reps. You know, like the overtraining aspect you're seen as like, you're creating your craft more and more and more and more, but like your body cannot (laughs) handle it, (laughs) you know, like, and you're young, you're 18 to 22 years old. So like your body is very young and like, but then you are done and you just completely, your body's like, what's going on? here like why am I done like why yeah. we, it gets freaked out because you're not overtraining so is that a red flag for you when you see an athlete consistently overtraining depends I'll talk with them okay um I try to check in because sometimes like sometimes they just like it and it's a good hobby for them you know like swimmers like to run because they don't get to run sure. and so like I'm not going to deter you from running if you enjoy it but if it's getting to the point where it's leading you to not eat properly or it's impeding on your schoolwork or your performance. Like if you're too sore to swim because you were running yesterday for too long, like that's, that's getting to be a problem. Cause we need to remember a, like your student and then your athlete, then you're a runner or a weightlifter X, Y, Z, you know? So what are circumstances? So you mentioned, uh, you mentioned overeating or eating unhealthy. What are some other circumstances where you would see overtraining as a sign of someone struggling? Uh, Their schoolwork is really declining, but they're, you know, putting in two hours of extra athletic work a day. Okay. You know, like when they're not, their grades aren't doing too hot, but they're, you know, avoiding studying time by going and working out for two hours at a time. Sure. You know, and like, I'm not, I can't speak for all sports. Right. But for softball, like sometimes just going in for 30 minutes, that's more beneficial than going in for an hour, you know, like small increments is more beneficial, especially, you know, we're at a very high level. So it's not like you're reinventing a wheel. You're very much, you're very much fine tuning. And so a lot of the advancements you're making are mental and then they're very minuscule habits that we're changing. Sure. And so going in and avoiding schoolwork for two hours and you know, hitting or something is hard to manage appropriately. And sometimes you can definitely see that, like that shift kind of tilt. So if it starts taking the place of, or start, it sounds like if it starts looking like an escape instead of just training, yeah, then it's a flag more likely. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Kind of like a scapegoat a little bit. Sure. I, Makes, you know, in the time you don't, as an athlete, you don't see it like that. Sure. You, know, you don't see yourself as like, it's, a, it's an escape goal. It's in a distraction. You see it as like, well, I'm just doing extra reps, you know? Right. I'm getting better and better and better. Yeah. When in fact you might be, it, it could, honestly, it's as you describe it, it sounds like another form of self-medication. Yeah, honestly going in and training for an extra two hours. Um, well, at least I'm not taking drugs. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, or I could be out partying or doing whatever. Right. But honestly, you are sort of taking a drug. Yeah. It's a different, like addiction has so many different faces and sure. people, people don't see it. Like not eating enough is an addiction. Eating too much is an addiction, you know, like exercising sure. too much can be an addiction. Like addiction is more than just a substance. Sure. You know, it can be a habit it when it be becomes a, a state of being yep and a dependency too you know like not feeling worthy enough at night because you didn't do that extra two hours of work right that's perfectionism there and we feeling. struggle with that a lot with our our population just because like in all aspects of their life they're such high achievers sure 
So how do you talk down the kid that's crying because they got a B on an exam? Right, right. You know, like that's like happens very frequently. Wow. Very. Like we have extremely high achievers. So, um, so perfectionism is a form of anxiety, really. Yeah. Uh, that you are, well, it's, it's anxiety about not feeling, um, let me rephrase that. Perfectionism, when it becomes that, that uh, patho when it becomes pathological, yeah. it's because you internalize failure. You don't see well, I got a B, you see, you, it becomes, I'm an F. Mm, mm -hmm. It like, it's a state of being. I exist as a failure in spite of the fact that I just scored above average. Yeah. And oh, the same, yeah. It's, uh, since I didn't get an A, I'm awful. Yeah. Uh, instead of, seeing it for what it is i gotta be what can i change what can i do different to get an a next time yeah which is more healthy right and i think like this 100 percent mentality like our zero also translates into the disconnect with athletics and mental health because in mental health like when you help one person that's a success right but if you're helping one person out of 99 in athletic world like you're failing Okay. You know, and that change is very hard to sure find that middle ground. Okay. Cause like you like like the biggest thing like coaches will say, like, well, no one's like no one listens, no one does X, Y, Z, no one like we'll talk about it and the athletes don't say anything. I was like, well, one one of like one of your athletes could be internalizing that and like making a mental note to help themselves. And that's exactly like the change that's needed. Like sure. one out of your whole team. And they're looking at it like the whole team needs to go and advocate for their mental health and, you know, talk about it. And that's positive, you know, it's hard. It's hard to debunk that like statistical viewpoint on everything. Sure. That makes so sense. It's also how they're graded as coaches. You know, are they a winning coach? Or are they a losing coach? So, I mean, right. It's not, are they a growing coach? Are they pursuing excellence coach? Mm -hmm. It's a win or loss. Yep. Did they bat 300 or not? Right. And that's exactly like the, that's, and even in athletes alone, like they they don't, mental health is hard because it's gray. There's no win or lose. Right. That's <laughs> a really good point. There's no win or lose and they don't understand it. Like they, they're like, well, well, why? Like, why? Like, why if I, how come meditation works for them, but not me? You know, like, why does that mindfulness activity work for them and not me? And it's just like, well, great. <laughs> because, because we haven't found the right thing for you yet. Yeah, I thought of this one thing. I don't know who I was talking to, but I thought of it like, you know, going to a clinic, you get a thousand things thrown at you. Mental health is the same thing. You get a thousand things thrown at you in mental health and you hope that one or two things stick. Yeah. Like you can't go in and find one tool, pick it, and that's going to work. Right, right. We have some tools that we know work with many people much yes. of the time, but not everybody all the time. Right. And like some combination is different and different things you could deem different tools. And Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I want to be a respecter of your time. We've gone for almost an hour now. That's so fast. <laughs> uh, it really has. And I would like us to end on um, some ways, just list off some ways you believe people can enhance their well-being mm. wow there's so many things that ran, popped into my head my first thing i thought was sunlight <laughs> sunlight yeah but also because i live in a dark area of the world you know i live in south dakota so right <laughs> you don't get a lot of sunshine all the time and i'm definitely a victim of that um but i think time for yourself like being alone and not necessarily like isolation but, you know, taking time to be alone and with yourself is a lot and it teaches you a lot. And another thing is also scheduling mental health. In. You know, if you have 10 minutes, do 
listen to mindfulness for 10 minutes or do deep breathing for 10 minutes, sit and do nothing. You know, even if it's only 10 minutes, like I stress that so much with my athletes of being like, if you have a study or if you're studying for five hours, take 30 minutes or, you know, three 10 minute little chunks during that time to just walk around, move, like be something that's on your screen. That's just mindless. That can help you just kind of reset, you know, and like learning those habits of how you can reset yourself. I love that. I think you and I are going to beat our heads against the wall for the rest of our lives, trying to get athletes to be purposeful and even to schedule their mental training, their mental well-being, their mental performance, um, to schedule time to do things purposefully instead of thinking you can do it on the fly. Oh yeah. I put it on a to-do list. Cause like, then it also gives me the validation of crossing it off, you know? There, yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. That is a good place to end. Thank you very, very much um, for being on uh, solid rock performance. Uh, if people want to connect with you, how can they connect with you? Um, Instagram. Oh shoot. My handle is Mm, one second I don't even know my own Instagram handle which is horrible (laughs) it's not Maggie (laughs) it's May underscore May 42 okay May underscore May 42 yep and it says Megs it doesn't say Maggie I worked when I was working in the mental health hospital I didn't put my full name on social media sure so and I just kept kept that habit I guess (laughs) so if you want to follow Mags uh in her um academic and strong woman journey we expect to see mags at one of the clash on the coasts one of these years oh that'd be amazing yes definitely on the the vision board it's on the vision board we know it's going to happen yes so all right and uh thank you everyone for listening bye thank you so much